Amen. Everybody good? Yeah. Well, Jeremy had all these angels, man. I will tell you about my one angel. I didn't get 7,000 angels. But I did have an angelic visitation yesterday morning. I want to tell you about it because it's very encouraging. I was sitting yesterday morning between 7.30 and 8 and, and just, you know, sitting there, just relaxing, enjoying the Lord. And I saw this sphere, like a, about the size of a beach ball, about like that. Of, it was like white light, and it scared the fire out of me, to be honest with you. Okay? But it came right at me, and when it got in front of me, it, like it flashed. It says this flash. Now, that wasn't a, you know how a light, when you turn a light on and it burns, it burns out when you turn it on? It's, it's, it, it, it was like this, except it was real white, and immediately the Lord spoke to me, and he told me two things. And I want to tell you those two things because I think they apply to you. The first thing he said to me was, there's power of life and death in your mouth. And you need to be careful how you use that. And he said, you need to start with yourself about what you say about yourself. Because you can determine a bad future for yourself by speaking bad things over yourself. And of course we need to do that with other people also. So I want to really encourage you this year, because this is the reason, because God has given the church more authority. Our words are carrying more and more authority, and so we have to be careful about our words and use, use our words in a way that really is they're seasoned with grace. Grace upon our lips, like Psalm 45 says. And the other thing was, the Scripture came to me was this, that uh, uh, the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Okay? And so what I got out of that is God creates things for us to serve us, to bless us. But many times we get them in, out of order. We start serving those things. Okay? Like in the, old, in the, the New Testament where Jesus got them, they, he was getting after them because they were serving the Sabbath. You know, you've got to keep all these rules and stuff. And it was never meant to be that way. It was meant to bless the people. And God gives us spiritual gifts, fruits, anointings, whatever, to serve us. Okay, we don't, we're not supposed to serve those things. So I think God wants us to be really careful about those kinds of things, about not serving things, but le- allowing things to serve us. If we'll allow them to serve us, they'll be a blessing to us. But if we start serving, they're gonna, they're gonna, it'll be a curse to us, really. So there's my one angel, wherever Jeremy, with his 7,000 you know, times 7. And, but I'll take that one. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Legion's a lot of angels, actually. Okay, um... So I want to read just a little bit this morning. Um, I want to read a little bit this morning. Y'all, y'all ain't wanting to stand out here and hear me read. I can promise you that. Because <laughs> actually I speed read everything. But I want to, last week I talked to you about God wanting to clothe the church. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Let me read that scripture again. Because I want to talk to you this morning about some things I feel like the Lord's showing me that he wants to clothe us with. In other words, this is the wardrobe that God has given us. He's given us a wardrobe to wear. He's given us something to wear. And this is really, really going to be important for us in this hour that we live in, I really think. It says, Revelation 19, verse 7 and 8. It says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Remember last week I said there's a part for us to play. She made herself ready. It's something God wants us to do. It was given to her, and then God, but God gives us something. He gives us the wardrobe. He gives us what he wants on us. Um, at the end of the church today, 
into the church, into the service. We're going to pray for people about anxiety and depression and worry because I see that on a lot of people. I see anxiousness on people. That is not something God wants on us. So I just wanted to say that because just to make that point is God has given us things to put on. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So God really wants to clothe the people. He wants to clothe the church now. God's going to beautify us. He's going to make us look good. How many in here could use a looking good? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could. Give me some hair, Lord. <laughs> God really wants to dress us up. The Bible says in Romans thirteen fourteen, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. There, I believe this. I believe there's a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ that God is beginning to release into the spiritual realm right now. I, think, I, I feel like it's, it's already started. It's already leaking out of heaven, coming to us. Uh, and that's the, that, that's the critical thing for us. That's the thing that's going to change us. Second uh, Corinthians 3, uh, verse 18 says that as we behold Him, we're changed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit. In other words, as we begin to focus on the Lord, as we begin to see the Lord as He really is, God is going to cause us to appear like the Lord. Okay? That's really what He's interested in. He's having, he wants a bride that looks like Himself. It seems sort of odd, but I'm, I'm sure there's some men in here who are so happy that your wife doesn't look like you, Right? <laughs> I am, I'll tell you that, I'll be bad, it would be bad. But the Lord is going to have a bride that reflects His nature, reflects His glory in the earth. And I believe that we're living in the last days. Do y'all believe that? Yeah. Uh, you should, because the Bible says that we are. And I wanted to read Revelations 1.1. Revelations 1.1, and this is it. The book of Revelations. Most people, when they think about this book, what do you think? They think about the rapture. Think about the end, you know, oh, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. But the first verse tells us what it's about. It says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the book of Revelation is. It's about Him. It's about His majesty. It's about His glory. It's about Him coming back to the earth and taking over the earth and what He's going to do in the earth realm. And it's going to happen. So God is really, I believe God has, began, has begun to begin to, re, to, to release a new revelation of Christ Himself to us. He, he, it's already starting to happen. He's starting to release this person. And if you look at Revelations 1, this is this incredible, mind-blowing thing. In Revelations chapter 1, first chapter, one chapter, they are 18 descriptions of Christ in that one chapter. 18. There's more said about Christ in those few verses than there are in, in a lot of the other rest of the Bible. There's these, all these things. And what he's trying to tell us there, he's give, it says it was given to her, He's telling us things that He wants to clothe us with. Okay? Like I said, God's given the church more authority in what our words are. One of the ways that Christ described it says there's a sharp two-edged sword coming out of His mouth. Okay? So that's why we need to be careful because we are going to, we're looking like Him. We're going to gain, we're going to gain eyes of fire that can really see things that others can't see that can bring light in the darkness. God is going to really do that to us because He's, that's, that's what we, he's, he's, he's meant for us, the bride of Christ, to be beautiful. And He wants to beautify the church, and He's going to have a church in the earth that ap appears like Him. Now, it's interesting. You've got 18 uh, 
you know, descriptions of, of the Lord in chapter 1. Chapter 2 and 3, which we all know are the letters to the seven churches, are it's interesting because in those chapters, the Lord reveals Himself, I think 16, is it, yeah, 16 times in those chapters. There's 16 more descriptions of Him in those chapters. And then, but it's interesting what He does in, in those, when He talks to all the churches, the seven churches, He tells them something about Himself. Okay, like in the first church, the church at Ephesus, He tells them, I'm the one who holds the stars in my hand. Okay? And the stars, it tells us in Revelation, the stars are the angels. The angelic messengers or apostolic messengers, however you want to look at that. You can look at it both ways or legitimate ways. Look at it. He's, in other words, he's saying, I'm the one who controls what is said to you. Okay? And, I'm, and he also says, I'm the one who walks amongst the churches walks amongst the, the lampstands because the lamps are the churches. And the thing he tells the Ephesus church, if you don't do this, I'm going to take your lamp away. I'm going to take your candle away. You will no longer be a, a real church. Okay? So when he reveals himself like that, he's, he's, he's telling them something that they have to overcome. And the first thing that he tells the churches that they got to overcome is their love for him. Okay, that's the first thing. It's our love for Christ. See, that's, that's the most important thing there is, is that we would really love Him. And God is saying to the churches, but, you know, and go back to Ephesus, okay? Ephesus was one of the greatest churches in the Bible. In fact, the, the book of Acts describes the, the revival, which is, I believe is the greatest revival, apart from the Lord Himself coming, in the Bible is the revival that happened at Ephesus. It was a very powerful revival that a church was founded in, that Paul founded the church, and then later uh, the apostle John was the pastor of that church, and Timothy was also the pastor of that church. It was very, obviously a very powerful church, a very apostolic church, and if you read in Revelations, when he talks about them, he talks about all these apostolic things that they're doing, but he says, but I got one thing against you, and this is it. You've left your first love. And if you don't get back to that, you, I don't care what you've done. I don't care about all that stuff. If you don't love me, none of those things matter. Okay, none of those things matter. These are great things, too. I mean, apostle-level stuff. But none of them matter to the Lord if we don't have a real, living, vibrant love relationship with Him. See, that's one of the things that the Lord wants to close the church with, is love. He wants us to love Him. Now, the Bible says that we love God because He first loves us. But the truth is, I don't think... I think we don't really love... I, don't, I can remember when I came to the Revelation that I really did love the Lord. That was a big day in my life. That I had a true love in my heart for the Lord. Have you ever really thought about that? You may sing songs like, we, uh, the Lord's wonderful and all the songs, but are they really true to you? Do you really love Him? I mean, seriously, you need to ask yourself that question. Because when the Lord came to me and spoke to me one day... I'll never forget it. And I realized in my heart, I really do love you, Lord. But I'll be honest with you, there was a time in my Christian life when I didn't love God because I didn't really understand who He was. I didn't understand what He was like. And I felt God to be hard and difficult. And I felt like He was disappointed in me. I felt like He was angry with me. I felt like I was a failure. 
How can you love somebody that feels that way about you? You tend to keep a distance from them in your heart. Not that, but I, I would have told people I love God. But it's only when I begin to get a real revelation about what the Father's really like. Because you see, here's the truth. One of the greatest lies that the church has ever believed is about God. There's a great lie about Him out there. And it was started in the garden. Y'all know this, but I'm just telling you, the thing that God wants to beautify us with, the first thing and the most important thing, is love. God is in the bed. And I think this is one of the things that we're going to see. I don't think He's through with it yet. Because the church needs to have a tremendous revelation of the Father's love. I don't think we can ever say it enough that the Father loves us and the Father has a heart for us and He's craving to show us that. And as the more we see it, the more we'll love Him and the more it will impact our lives. That is one of the most impacting revelations there is. And I'm not talking about in your mind because you can have it in your mind, but if you don't have it in your heart, you don't have it. Okay? If you can have it in your heart and your mind, that's really nice when you get it like that. You know, both of them. So I want to tell you, that's the first thing I believe that the Lord Jesus wants to do as he's coming and beginning to reveal himself. Because, see, I think that's ultimate, God's ultimate weapon, okay, for the church is a revelation of himself that's greater than anything we've ever seen. And part of that revelation of the Lord himself is the revelation of love. It's powerful. Now, I know I've said to you guys, and I think some people sort of want to argue with me about it, didn't understand it, that God did not, does not love me because of the blood of Jesus. In other words, you know, you've heard the saying is that God sees me through the blood, and that's why he loves me. That's not true, according to the Bible. It's not in the Bible. You will not find that anywhere in the entire Bible. God loves me because God always loved me, period. Okay? That is, the, the blood is a result of his love. He, he sent the blood because he loved me. And, and God loved me when I was a bad person. And God loves me when I'm being a bad person. And I'm acting like a bad person. Because I can act bad. Y'all act bad, right? You have days where you're acting bad and you feel like God don't, you're way away from God. Really, it's not true. He wants to love you. I heard somebody say one time, this is what the Lord told me. I can't remember who it was. He said, this is what the Lord said. Because he was asking, why do you love me like this? He said, that's just the way I am. Get over it. I love you, period. And I think we need to get that kind of revelation because it's life-changing. And it doesn't cause us to want to sin. It causes us to want to get close to Him. So I'm going to tell you something. God has not finished revealing His love to the church. He's not finished showing us about the Father. That's something the Holy Spirit's going to really keep doing. And Because I, I know I've got a, a level of revelation on it, but I feel like I, there's a lot more. So I, I want to really encourage you that the, the bride's going to be beautiful, but it's going to, one of the reasons the bride's going to be beautiful is because the bride has put on love, his love. Amen? Um, I wanted to read this. Uh, let me make, is Sue Crowley in here? Yeah, Sue, Sue's going to love me. Uh, last week, Amy Underwood had a vision during church. And she said the vision reminded her of a article that Rick Joyner wrote called The Weightiest Manner. I don't know how she remembered all that, because it was, you know, the article was over a year old. But I got the article, and I read it, and I thought, man, honestly, I've read everything Rick Joyner's ever wrote, and this is the absolute best thing he's ever wrote, in my opinion. Okay, it's tremendous. But um, 
So what I was saying about Sue is if you want that article and you want the word, Sue has it on email. And you can ask Sue, Sue, will you email me that? And she may be nice enough to do it to do it, you know? Because it seemed like people were having a little bit of difficulty. I was forwarding this too. We were having some difficulties finding it, which I don't know why all these computer whizzes. But Andy Squires did something right in his life. <laughs> he did. Andy, Andy brought out a paragraph. I want to read this paragraph. It really just sort of sums up. This is, what, this is what Rick said. This one paragraph in this article. He said, The main thing we can do to help the earth in a permanent and lasting way is to help the church become what she is called to be. The most effective way we can do this is by loving God more, knowing Him better, abiding in Him, and directing the church's attention to who He is. Isn't that powerful? That is very powerful. And that's really what God is, is wanting to do. He wants us to love Him more. He wants us to have a greater relationship with Him. He wants us to abide in the finished work of the cross. And He wants us to tell people that. This is who He really is. This is what He's really like. I'm going to tell you something. We think about all these profound messages. That message, when we really get it and we really start releasing it, that's what's going to change the world. We don't change. The greatest way to overcome sin is to see something that's better. You know? In other words, if you're a guy and you're in a good marriage, you're going to be less likely to want to go run around with other women. Truthfully. Come on. Let's get real here. If your marriage is going through a rocky time, you, you might want to wonder. But if you've got something that you love and that you care about and this is daring to you and you think, oh, I would never want to take a second, you know, you know, second thing. I want to keep the number one thing God's given me. God always wants to overcome evil with good. You know, not with discipline. I mean, discipline is important, but discipline is not the main thing. Discipline is very important. We need to be disciplined people, but it's not the main thing. Loving God's the main thing and, allowing, and, and uh, allowing us to receive His love. Are y'all good with that? Does that? That's not religion, is it? That's the truth. All right, let me read this other thing. Y'all thought I was through, right? Oh, thank you, Lord. Revelation 22, verse 17. Let me read this to you. The other thing I want to tell you that God wants to do to beautify us is called unity with the Holy Spirit. Unity with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says. The Spirit and the bride say come. Notice it didn't just say the Spirit is saying come. It's saying the Spirit and the bride. And let the one who hears come and let... I'll just read that part. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. I believe one of the things that's going to really make the church beautiful is when the church begins... It's so in unity with the Holy Spirit that the church is doing what the Holy Spirit's doing and saying what the Holy Spirit's saying. Now, this is powerful because that's the thing that really will beautify us is when we're in unity with Him. Let me tell you this. On a natural level, I'm talk, I ain't talking about the spiritual, I ain't talking about anything. I'm just talking about in the natural. I can be in unity with a lot of people. But if I'm not in unity with Becky, something's wrong with my life. Right? Just on a natural level, I need to be in unity. That doesn't mean we agree on everything. Unity doesn't mean you, have, you agree on everything. Okay, I'm talking about the natural. I'm talk, because me and Becky don't agree on everything. In fact, we don't agree on a lot of things. <laughs> you know, we really don't. We fight like dogs and cats over stuff. I mean, she knows God one way, I know him another. You know? 
God speaks to her in one way, He speaks to me in another. We fight over those kinds of things sometimes. But the truth is, God wants us to mature as people, and the black and white that's in Becky is times when the black and white's right. The gray in me, because I see things from lots of angles, you know, sometimes that's right. And the wisdom is to know who's right and bow to that. That's how you grow a marriage. Is sometimes she's right, sometimes I'm right. We'll fight about it for a while and run everybody away. And we get in fights up here, man, just fight like crazy. Start yelling at each other. And <laughs> Becky said, we always telling people, you got to fight fair, you know, premarital camp. We don't fight fair. <laughs> I fight to win, man. I want to win these fights. <laughs> you got to practice what you preach, though, right? <laughs> so, but here's the truth. Jackie's got on green boots. <laughs> Just notice that. Never seen green boots before. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the truth. We have got to get in unity with the Holy Spirit. We've got to begin saying what He's saying and doing what He's doing because if we're not, we're, we're, we're going in a different direction. And... Uh, I really want to encourage you about this because saying that it sounds, oh yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. But I'll tell you this, very few people get in unity with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit does things that are wacky (laughs) according to our natural mind. It says in the Bible, it says it, it's craziness, it's foolishness, it's just foolishness, what it calls it, to the natural man. But to the spiritual man, it's the life of God. So, do you understand what I'm saying to you? That's why there's a trick that you have to overcome your own natural inclinations. Okay? You have to overcome your own natural inclination to think, oh, there's a real river in this room right now. Your, your mind will say, oh, you know, they, yes, there is. I was ever in the river this morning at my house. I was in it, man. I was down under the water. Now, your natural mind will tell you that's craziness, but it's not craziness if you're in the Spirit. Because in the Spirit, that's what's really real. I'm just giving you a little example to tell you, when I talk about unity with the Holy Spirit, it's not just an automatic thing. Okay? Now, listen to this. Let me help you with this. Are you all okay? I love all that Holy Spirit stuff myself. But I'll tell you something. The Holy Spirit offends me on an ongoing basis regularly. He likes to. You know, I'm convinced he likes to, or he wouldn't do it all the time. But he really does, you know, offend your mind to show you what's really inside of you, to help you. It's not an offense to hurt you. It's an offense to help you. All right, Revelations 2, 7. Let me read this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, uh, this is a really important statement. Okay, and the reasons, reasons I'm going to give you some reasons that support it. The first reason is, the only person in the Bible who ever said that was one person. Guess who it was? Anybody know? Jesus. He is the only person who ever said this. Okay? And he said it. It's recorded in the Bible 16 times. The first eight times are in the, in the, in the Gospels where he said, He who has ears, let him hear. The, second, the eight, last eight times is in, in Revelations 2 and 3. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Okay, so here's my way of thinking. If Jesus was the only person who said that, okay, that means it's, and he said it, it's recorded 16 times in the Bible, that means it's got to be really important, right? I mean, it has to be profoundly important. And the fact is, is 
the President of the United States is, can say certain things that nobody else can say. Now, we could say a mimicum, but he's the only one that can say certain things that when he says them, they happen, and nobody else can say them and happen, make them happen, right? I believe this is, one, I believe this is like one of those highest levels of statements that Jesus makes. Because he said it 16 times, he's the only person that said it, he's the only person who really can say it and say, you better hear with your spiritual ears. You've got to learn how to hear with your spiritual ears because if you don't, you're going to miss it. You're, if you don't, you'll never be in unity with the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. The only way to be in unity with God is to be able to hear what God's saying and obey what God's saying and do what God's saying to do. That's, what, that's why he said it 16, it was recorded 16 times. Now, here's the truth. We have the ability to hear what the Spirit's saying. We really do. But not all of us use those ears. Not all of us cultivate the hearing. And that's really what we had to do. We had to cultivate the, hear, with the, the hearing ears, the, seeing, the spiritual seeing eyes, the spiritual uh, sense of smelling, the spiritual sense of feel. All those are, and the Bible says in Hebrews, that we cultivate those by exercising those, by using them, by doing them, by going after them. Are y'all hearing hear what I'm saying to you? You want to be dressed with unity? You really want to be in unity with the Holy Spirit and doing what He's doing? doing you've got to be able to hear Him to do that. You can't get it from me. You can't get it from the most famous preacher in America. You, it just don't happen that way. You have to be able to hear it. Now, you may hear the Spirit speak to another person. Hopefully you will. That's one of the ways He speaks. You hear, oh, that was the Lord. I know that was. I felt it. I sensed it. That, that was God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? This is very powerfully important. The commander-in-chief of everything is saying to us, listen with your spiritual ears. Develop the ability to hear spiritually. If you will, you'll be in unity with me, and you're going to need it in these last days. You're going to need it with all that's going on in the world. You're going to need it for your own personal self. Will's going to need it when he's doing the military police thing. Where the Spirit may say to him, Will, don't go there. Walk around there. Okay? We've got to have this kind of thing. This is, this is not optional equipment. This is necessary equipment. And I believe God is calling. That's one of the ways we're going to be a beautiful church. Is we're going to be a church that hears Him. We're going to hear the Father speak to us. And we're going to know it's the Father's voice. And we're going to respond to it. Regardless of what it looks like or feels like. Because sometimes it may feel really bad. Uh, this is one scripture the Lord gave me. I read it a few weeks ago. Psalm 27, verse 8, in the New Living Translation, which I forgot to tell them. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. That was, I'll tell you, it's one thing the Lord did tell me. Okay? You know how you ask the Lord, Lord, what you have for me this year? That's the one thing he said to me. I want you to learn how to interact with me, Byron. I want you to learn how to interact with me. I want you to hear me. I want you to talk to me about what's going on in your life. I want you to talk to me about what's going on in situations. I want you to hear what I'm saying to you in these situations. I want you to just take the time to do that. In other words, when you are getting blasted by the Holy Spirit, you know, which is really fun to do, honestly, I like that. Don't y'all like that? The Holy Spirit, just, I was just getting waves. I mean, there was waves. I mean, this is me. Waves of drunkenness, man. I was just like, 
I gotta be careful, Lord. I'm getting, I gotta keep myself in, in you know, together here because these waves of drunkenness was hitting me during worship this morning. Just one after another. I mean, I know that can be offensive to you, but that's in the Bible too, you know. Anyways, in the past, I would just like, oh yeah, like just, just, you know, just swallow at it, you know, which was a good thing. But the Lord's saying this, here's what I want you to do. When that happens, you need to start talking to me about it. What are you doing? What are you trying to show me? Help me here. You understand what I'm saying? God wants to bring us to a higher level. He don't want us just to get touched and get all, you know, and that's good, but he wants, to take, he wants to do more. He wants us to hear his voice and learn how to hear his voice and learn how to discuss things with him and talk to him about things. That's one of the things I believe that's going to really happen. We're going to see a, a, a church of people who know the voice of the Father, who really know the voice and know how to live life based on that voice. And know how to make decisions based on that voice. Know how to make financial decisions based on that voice. Know how to make decisions about your family, where you should go. Uh, you know, I told somebody one time, they were really weird. They were weird, man. They were like telling me all the stuff they did, like, uh, you know, praying about which route they took to Walmart. And I said, that's just ridiculous. You know, praying about what you should wear. And I said, that's crazy. But if you lived in Israel, that wouldn't be so crazy. If you lived in Iraq, that wouldn't be crazy. You would be asking God, Lord, which route should I take to work this morning? Yeah. See, we've got to get to that place before we get there. Where God, we already know, don't... Huh? Huh? Train? Yeah. That's right. Well, anyways. Being trained? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't going to say nothing about Becky. So this is what the Lord wants to bring us into a whole new level of hearing in the Spirit. A whole new level. We've never been there before. I'm telling you, He does. I know God has been speaking. He's shown me things last year, things that I couldn't have known. Big things. I just didn't know what to do about them. I couldn't understand them. I mean, big things, like when we had all the gas shortage. God showed me that in a vision. I saw it before it happened. Now, those, that was training. He was trying to teach me. And when it happened, it's like, uh... You know, you need to pay attention. That's not being a prophet, as far as I'm going. I don't consider myself to be no prophet. I consider myself to be a Christian, a son, that the Father wants to talk to me about what's going on in the world so I can know and live my life according to the way He wants to and know His voice and have His embrace in my life regardless of what's happening in the world. Are y'all good with that? So I believe the Arkansas River, which I've talked to y'all about the Arkansas River, is the river, a prophetic river, Okay, that God has given us access to. We have access. And the reason it's Arkansas was the people who released it here were from Arkansas. Bob Jones and Larry Randolph. They are both from Arkansas. And the Lord told me in a dream you know, last year when they were here that I've given you a port to, those, to that river. A port's place you can tap into it. And so that's really what's happening. You start tapping in into the flow of the Spirit. And what the Spirit's saying is going on because I believe the future we're going to need it and we'll be a beautiful bride. Now, here's what happened. Let me get this. I'm going to try to bring this into a practical level for you. Last year, 2008, this was like the big thing for me. Last year, I had four major serious problems that come into my life. And I'm, not, I'm talking about major problems. I'm talking about problems that are, were destructive, that could destroy people's lives, destroy marriages, destroy ministries. I mean, they were like major league hard problems. I mean, way harder than me, okay? And I was like, man, why am I stuck with these problems, Lord? I mean, that was why I don't want these problems. I can't solve these problems. I hate problems like this. But the Lord reminded me when I was in, 
in school, college, studying to be the engineer world. And I was reminded of the test I used to take, the engineering test. One hour and 20 minutes, four questions. That's what you had. One hour and 20 minutes, four questions. And you had to, you had to know that stuff. Because if you didn't, you were dead. Because you had to know it to get done in an hour and 20 minutes. You had to hustle the whole time. And I remember those because I would, you know, be really prepared. I like to be prepared. I like to know stuff. So I wouldn't go in there not knowing stuff. Uh, but I remember how, uh, you know, certain things, in the, there were certain things like math. You know, you hear people say, tell me, I, want, I think I want to be an engineer. First thing I do, are you good in math? If they say no, I say forget it. Because you don't, if you ain't good in math, you're dead in the engineer world. I mean, just dead. Math has to be second nature. The math can't stump, stump you because there's 10,000 other things that's going to stump you. So you need to have something going for yourself. You know, well, that's what the Lord reminded me of. He said, those problems were given to you because I'm trying to teach you how to solve problems. I'm trying to teach you how to get wisdom out of heaven because the, there's a world out there that's going to have major problems and the church is going to have the answer for them. If I can get people and if I can get the church to learn how to get them out of heaven, to get the answers from heaven, instead of not wanting the problem, wanting to run away from the problem, complaining about the problem, making the problems giving you headaches, all right, Lord, obviously there's grace here. James 1, 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must act... Ask in faith without doubting. That's what the Lord was trying to teach me how to do. To really how to really how to get wisdom. I'm talking about real wisdom for real life situations, people's lives. Get the wisdom of God into that, so lives will not be messed up and situations won't be destroyed. And it's getting. It's, it's, there's more and more of that. It's, and it ain't just people being mad. You know. You know. I'm mad. I'm offended, and all that. Those are just normal stuff. You know, anybody can do, do that stuff. But when you start dealing with, with really high-level problems, like problems where demons are really involved in it, ugh. Ephesians 3.10, The manifold wisdom of God might now be made through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Notice it said, The manifold wisdom of God being made known through the church. Are y'all getting this? This is what God's called us to do. He wants to have a people he can release this wisdom out into the world that's going to be that's needing wisdom right now, and it's going to need more wisdom. And we're the people if we will get in unity with the Holy Spirit, if we will get in tune with, with what he's doing. Now, this is really what God wants to do. Are y'all good? All right, now. Now, I'm going to end this on the anxiety thing, you know. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty five. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. First Peter five seven. Cast in all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So there's people in the church. There's people here this morning that are full of anxiety in your heart. You're worried about your job. You're worried about your future. You're worried about this. You're worried about this concern in your life, and you got this weight on you. You're carrying something in your heart. You which is you've clothed yourself with this thing. What God is saying, I want to break. Now I'm telling you, there's nothing bad. You're not an evil person. I had this thing. I went around and around for about six weeks. I felt like with this anxiousness on me because I was trying to figure out things, what I need to do, trying to figure out this. I want to take care of this, do this, do that, and it was 
And I realized this is nothing but worry and anxiety. I'm not in grace. I'm not walking in what God has for me. I'm walking in anxiety. And I was in a bad mood for six weeks, literally. And I was negative for six weeks because I was walking in anxiety. I was walking, and, and it didn't start out to be like a bad thing. It started out to be a good heart. Let's be good stewards. Let's take care of things. Let's plan appropriately. Let's do these things. And it wound up, I was ate up and it was being consumed. And you don't dial into the Holy Spirit realm at all like that, I tell you that. <laughs> you dial into the flesh. But God, I was able to break it off. I was able to get, get it broke off of me. And I, I, I got it broke off of me, and I felt like a new man. I felt alive. I felt, I felt God's Word. I felt, you know, faith. I felt all the things that I need to have to be able to get it. Okay, so I believe that if you, are you, is anybody in here got anxiety? I'm raise your hand. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you're telling the truth. The rest of us can, you're already free. So let's stand up, the ones who are anxious. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. Now listen, it says this. Be, now listen, it wouldn't tell us this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything give thanks. Because this is the will of God in Christ for us. In everything. That's incredible, isn't it? Don't be anxious. I mean, I'm thinking, good Lord, how do you expect us to not be anxious, Lord? I mean, come on. It's rough down here. Don't you know it? <laughs> But he does know it. But the grace of God's available to break it off from you. But you've got to give it to him. You've got to let it go. You've got to give it to him. And you can't go back and pick it back up. And you've got to trust him. You know? And we had to come. And that's one of the things I said, Lord, I guess I'm just, the truth is I'm not trusting you or I wouldn't be worrying about my tomorrows. You know? I wouldn't be worried. I was trusting the Lord. So that was the, having the truth with God. So I want to just pray over you. Because I wasn't going to tell you this. I, didn't, I forgot to tell you this. When the Lord said to me that angel thing about the, your words, I saw this. I saw look like a, a, I ain't never seen a sword that looked like a round sword, but it was a sword that just came right out of my mouth. There was power on it. And that's why the Lord said, you say bad stuff with you, you're going to hurt yourself. And if you say bad things about other people, you're going to hurt them. We need to use the weapons that God's given us in a righteous and clean way to get rid of stuff like this and to speak life over each other and bless them. So, Father, right now, I'm just going to say this. Every person standing up in this room that have anxiety and worry and legitimate anxiety, legitimate worry and concern, Lord, I just want to speak to that. Lord, I ask you right now that you'd break anxiety off of people now in Jesus' name, that you would loose that commission off of us of anxiety. Lord, I pray that we'd all choose thankfulness We'd choose to be thankful. We'd choose to bless you. We'd choose to focus on what you're doing, Lord. Just ask you to release that right now in Jesus' name. Every, every person in this room, right now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's let, let the Holy Spirit just come on you. See, this is so good because he'll just come and settle on you. and just mm, It's what he wants to do. He wants to comfort and encourage, exhort. Just do that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. The last verse in Psalms 27 says, Be still and know that I'm the Lord. There's a holy stillness that God's going to bring. I know that sounds sort of crazy for such wild, jumpy people, but sometimes God stills us and, and we can find Him in those still moments. Mm. 
Elisha or Elijah when he was in that cave, he came out and there was a hurricane, there was a fire, there was an earthquake, there was all this stuff going on, commotion. And, but then it said there was a gentle breeze in it and he said he wrapped his mouth around his face because he knew that was the voice of the Lord. That's how he was able to discern it. He knew that God wasn't necessarily into some things, but he was able to discern that voice in the middle of stuff. Father, I, I pray you'd release that right now into this room. I pray you'd release that gentle blowing into people. I pray you would release that ability for us to hear that still small voice when there's so much noise in the world, when the news is blaring at us, and, the, and there's wars, and there's, there's death, Lord, and there's perversion that's screaming at us, Lord, in this world, and there's people around us just in desperate need. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to hear that voice above all things, Lord. I pray for every person the gift of that, Lord. Just release that. Lord, the Bible says that you hid things. Uh, but you hid them for us. Well, we really believe that. You didn't hide them from us, but you want us to have them. You just hid them from the world so they wouldn't have them. So, Father, I pray today for every person in this room that they'd have the ability to find the answers, to find the treasures, Lord, that you've hidden for each one of us. Mm. Lord, just release that anointing, Lord. I want to pray that blessing. I think it's out of Numbers where it says, The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you. The Lord let his face shine on you. And the Lord be with you. The Lord, I forgot the rest of it. Give you peace. Huh? Let his, lift his countenance. Father, put the countenance of God on this church. Put the countenance of God on every person in this room that God himself would be on them. They would feel that thing. The countenance of heaven just resting on them. Oh, Lord, do it, Lord. Do above and beyond what we would ask or think, Lord, according to the power that works in us. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit today. Thank you that we're believers, we're saved, we're Christians, and that we have God Himself in us. Lord, we're not just people in the world. We're not out there like orphans wandering around wondering what's going to happen to us. We have a Father in heaven who's going to take care of us and make sure that we're okay and you're going to protect us. And, Lord, you're going to get us there when we can't get ourselves there. And I ask you, Lord, for every person you get us there, you would help us, Lord, to see you. You would help us to know you, Lord. Do that, Lord. Release that on people. Release divine hunger in this room on people. That people in this room would hunger for you, Lord. They would thirst for righteousness, Lord. Lord, you'd give us purity of heart, Lord, that, that says the blessed are the pure, for they shall see God. Lord, give us that. Let that purity in our minds where all the yuck of the world would just fall off of us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't let us be deceived anymore, Lord. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, we just worship you. Holy Spirit, you're good. We say you're good. Oh, you're a good God. Let the revelation that God is good, that God is loved, that God cares for us. He's intimate. He wants to be with us more than we want to be with Him. Let that be known to us, Lord. Let this year be a year where we draw close to the Almighty, that we know Him. Lord, don't let us stay the same. Lord, draw us into Your place of intimacy and, and, and correctness with You, Lord. Do that in us, Lord. Lord, we don't want to be like this next year. We want to be different, but we want to be people that love You, Lord. We want to be people that really are passionate for what you're passionate about. God, release your passions into us in a greater way. Thank you, Lord. Let this really be a great year for everybody in this room, I ask you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh, I think we, ooh. I think we want to pray for some sick people as we get dismissed. I wanted us to pray for Larry Hartness this morning. I don't know how his eye is, but anybody sick? In here this morning, any ailments?
Come on up. We want to pray for you. We'll get a ministry team out here. We want to lay hands on you, and we want to see God heal you. If you need a miracle of anything on any level, we want to see the Lord do that for you.